Crosstown Conversations, and I am so happy to be back at home in the studio. We have been doing our show uh, on Zooms now for, I don't know, it seems like forever, two years. And um, uh, we came in here, of course, briefly, you know, during that moment when we thought the uh, mess was over. And then, of course, the surge came back in, and so back to Zooms. Not that I mind Zooms. I mean, you know, get to stay at my kitchen table and I can do it from there. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I prefer to be here in the middle of Xavier University where my two guests finally found their way here because it is not the easiest place to navigate. And I do provide these directions, but they are kind of uh, convoluted, even though ultimately it's not that hard, but it is a little convoluted. Um, I, I just kind of want to uh, start out before, before we start talking with Tony Campbell and David Baker, both really interesting arts people. Surprise, surprise, I'm having arts people. You know what I mean? We, we do that a lot. But um, I um, want you to know about something called prospect. And I'm very frustrated when I say that word prospect to people in the city of New Orleans and they don't know what it is. It's been going on now for let me see, about two, four, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about eight years. And it's um, it's a, it's a what's called, I, I don't know what the right word for a tri, an art triennial is. I mean, it's not a festival. It, it's, it's not a uh, single event. It's just a great big celebration of art. Let's put it that way. And it usually involves bringing in artists from around the world, literally around the world, to participate in a show that usually has some kind of a theme to it. And and this year, for Prospect 5, because it became a triennial, it started out as a biennial, then it became a triennial, um, the theme is Yesterday We Said Tomorrow. And anybody who lives in the city of New Orleans knows exactly what that means. It means, yeah, right, tomorrow. <laughs> sure. Okay. So these these fellows are doing very creative work. And I'm very excited to have them both in the in the uh, room with me at the moment. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves a little bit. And then we're going to get into the two shows that they're doing. So, again, I don't know the total number of shows, but there's what are called the official prospect sites. So that's places like the Contemporary Arts Center, the Xavier Gallery right here in Xavier, um, Amistad, African-American Museum, uh, Ogden Museum and um, a number of other locations around town. Then they have something called satellites. And the satellites are um, essentially sites, whether they're a gallery or some other kind of setting, where artists from New Orleans basically tell their story, show their art. And uh, it's the satellites are my favorite. And ever since the beginning of um, Prospect, I have been doing one kind of a campaign or another to promote the local artists. So the first year, they had about 90-some artists, and I think only about five were from New Orleans, and the arts community in New Orleans was kind of going bat blank over that. And I said, well, okay, let's not whine and complain about it. And what I did was get the recovery school district to loan me one of the empty schools, which happened to be Colton on St. Claude Avenue, where there was already a new art scene bubbling up, and we had 160 artists and arts organizations there, and we gave people a way to come back after Katrina and to be there when all these hordes of people from everywhere 
I mean, thousands. In my guest book, which we only started about halfway through, I have 20,000 signatures. So that tells you how many people came into town that particular year. This year is a little quieter for the obvious reasons. We're dealing with COVID. Um, So it's not quite, you know, you're not going to be getting online behind people to get in to see a facility. So you really should take this opportunity to see the cutting edge and beautiful work uh, being done in the city and the kind of narratives that the artists are presenting to you. Because artists today are very engaged in, in our lives and what we're going through. They're not just painting pretty pictures anymore. That's not what art's about. Art is now about interpreting our lives and our environment and what we're going through. With that introduction, I think I've talked long enough. I don't like being the only person talking. I really just like to listen to other people, so I'm going to move on. Um, David Butler, why don't you start by just telling us um, who you are, a little mini bio, and and, uh, what your show is about very simply, and then we're going to go back into it. And then Tony Campbell from Good Children Gallery, which is right there on, on St. Claude, is going to introduce his himself and what he's doing, and then we're going to get into it. Okay? Okay. Good morning, y'all. Um, okay, so first of all, it's um, I'm David Baker. I'm the associate editor of the Louisiana Weekly newspaper. We go to press on Friday, so um, Oops. this is kind of a, <laughs> <laughs> a tough day. Yeah, it's a tough day for us, but I am glad to be here with y'all. I'm currently the sitting president of the Press Club of New Orleans. A few years ago, I, I, I guess it was 2019, we applied to be a part of the Prospect Satellite Program because I wanted to have a way for our organization to showcase the photojournalists that are a part of our membership. So what we put together was a put together this pitch to Prospect to have um, to be able to showcase primarily. It, it started off with just specifically New Orleans, but during the pandemic and the things that have been happening nationally, we expanded that to include all of Southeast Louisiana to showcase those aspects of life and culture in Louisiana that people don't always see in the news. What you see a lot of is we'll, we'll see these these photos of crime scenes and just like the, the suffering, but I want to really be able to showcase those parts of our culture and, and, and life and history that go on every day that we might see, but people externally might not see. So that's what the exhibit is. It's... um. It really is just a recounting. We have images from New Orleans. We have images from Appaloosas. We have Welcome, Louisiana. We have just between here and there, there are 18 total photos included. 30-plus artists submitted. We chose 14, I believe. 14 is the number we came to. And in terms of the photographers, we got submissions from all over the country. And... It's on display at the old old number 77 hotel. I thought that was an intriguing location. Did you choose that, or did they choose that for you? No, I chose that. No, I chose it. So with the parameters that Prospect laid out, the exhibit needed to be, the, the satellite exhibits need to be accessible to people at least twice a week, two days out of the week between, I believe it, what, what's the time, Tony? Is it 11 and 4? 11 to 4. What I wanted to do is, because the satellite program is so specific to New Orleans culture, and and it has been for years, I feel like it was a really good opportunity to have something that is on display for people so that they can go and see it whenever. 
most people here work from eight until like six or mm -hmm. whatever hours they work, but galleries aren't always open within the times that a person who's living here and working here can actually go and see those things. And I wanted it to be accessible to people 24 hours and what's more accessible than a hotel. Hmm. Okay. That makes <clears throat> a lot of sense. Yeah. I wanted it to be as accessible to people as news media is to people. Just That's interesting. Right. You can go, you yeah. can see it. It could be in the middle of the day. It could be in the middle of the night. And it's yeah. just on display. You don't have to worry about that's office great. hours. That's great. I didn't like think that. of that, honestly. That's terrific because most of the uh, satellites have certain set hours mm -hmm. that are in compliance with the general show. Tony, let me get the, the uh, intro from you, and then we'll um, go further from there. So, yeah, I'm Tony Campbell. I work collaboratively with another artist, Matt Biss. We've been working together under the name Generic Art Solutions for 20 years now. Um, and so, um, yeah, so kind of our idea for the show was originally we wanted to make a, um, a kind of piece to um, talk about the fact that we've been working together 20 years. Um, and so we came up with the idea of minting a coin with um, a, my head on one side and Matt's head on the other. Well, I mean, this is Mardi Gras, Dublin City. Uh -huh. So, I mean, if that isn't the more natural way to celebrate 20 years, I don't know what is. Yeah. So we kind of, and so this coin became this kind of um, a, like um, a post-truth coin, really. So it's a trick, tricky coin with two heads. So you, um, you're, you're kind of whoever has it, you know, has the upper hand. And kind of we're older white guys, and these are two older white guys on this coin. So it kind of speaks to this you know, this the, the patriarchal world that we live in. So we kind of, you know, so it's kind of like a trickster, trickster coin. It's also um, heads you have it, heads you have it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know. Heads you, heads you lose, actually. Yeah, okay. The, the, the coin's called the heads you lose coin. Um, so, um, so we approached um, the, the, um, the museum, the jazz museum, which is now, which was the, the old mint. The mint yeah. And they have a coin room there. And we kind of thought, well, we would love to show, where would we show it? We'd show it in the coin room at the Mint. So we approached them with a number of other projects um, dealing dealing with money. The, our show is called Face Value, uh, The Illusions of Power and Money. So all of the all of the projects are focused on, um, you know, focused on our, our relationship to money. Um, and and so um, we proposed propose the idea we we have digital coins we have um lots of kind of um gambling machines digital in the show coins. yeah okay now i know what we're going to be talking about which is my least favorite subject all this new form of currency that has me totally totally bewildered anyway yeah. go ahead yes bitcoin um yeah we 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 haven't we haven't made anything um in that line we kind of uh, we we considered doing an nft um but the prob what we found the problem with NFTs are they're, they're so linked to um, different um, virtual, uh, rather um, digital currencies, you know, like um, like Bitcoin or Lithium, and they're, they're all linked to this blockchain. So this blockchain is the way that these 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 coins are mined, and they use an incredible amount of um, kind of resources, like incredible carbon footprint, to create Bitcoin. Mm. And so that seemed to be the complete opposite of what we were thinking about. We, we're talking about the loss of money mostly in this show rather than kind of investing. So we've kind of done some pieces which are kind of critical of, of those, the, that, that way that um, 
the, the world is going with investing in these um, these virtual currencies, basically. Um, so um, we and then Prospect um, kind of had came up with this uh, satellite idea, which is a little bit different from the past. In the past, it was you kind of just um, you were kind of given a flag from Prospect and you put satellite outside your gallery. And um, but this time it's much more in- integrated into the actual show itself. So we you c- kind of had to write a proposal, and that had to fit in with their bigger scheme of things. And so so there's a lot less. Um, I think there's five or six. Seven. Um, I think there's seven. Seven. Exactly. seven. Yeah. So there's a lot less. Whilst the previous um, satellite programs would be like forty. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, and I have to say that um, I, I hear the argument that you just made as to why this has more validity. But as somebody who, um, as I said, from the beginning has been most concerned with how the prospect event benefits the city beyond introducing people in New Orleans to the work of other artists from elsewhere, to me it had a lot to do with making sure that people coming here got to see um, – local artists. So I was a little bit um, not feeling totally comfortable with this super selection of uh, satellites. But that's okay, because what's happening is that a lot of the galleries and art sites and collectives, they're all doing things that are special for this time frame, which started three weekends ago and will continue through January. I can tell you for one, you know, Bob Tannen took over our garden and put out all kinds of consumer objects doused in red paint with a big buoy out on the sidewalk in front of our house telling the story of consumerism and its connection with the climate and also uh, reminding everybody that everything that's now produced is coming out of China. So, I mean, I think there's exhibits like that going on all over the city, and I'm really interested in making sure that people know about them as well. But I, I respect the notion that this is more integrated, that these satellites are more integrated with the show itself. Um, but uh, go on and tell me a little bit more about the show um, that, you're, that you're doing, because I, I heard what you're not doing, but yeah. I, I need to understand better what you are doing. So we wanted to, um, so we kind of immersed our work inside the um, coin room. So it's kind of interspersed with the um, historic collection. And um, what's kind of in- actually interesting, so we've minted coins um, for the show. We minted two coins, the one I just mentioned, the Hedge You Lose coin. Um, interestingly, we have um, the dies from from the minting company. We, we chose a minting company, the oldest um, private minting company in America, Osborne Coinage. Osborne? Um, yeah, Osborne. We liked Osborne because the um, originally the mint, the, their mark was an, an O, on every coin. So if you find an old silver dollar or something um, print, um, minted in New Orleans, it'll have this little O on oh. it. So we kind of thought Osborne was, had the right initial so um, to, to use them. So we kind of have a little O on our coin. We made another coin, um, which is um, for a we – we, we have this machine, which is a coin pusher. Maybe you know it. Say that again. It's a coin pusher. It's like an arcade game. It, it, it has a platform that slides back and forwards, and coins are on it, and they push the it, the coins. Get you roll a coin inside the machine, and and the coins push over the edge, and it comes in, and you win. You know, and so we've done, 
we've named this machine um, the, the Louisiana Landfall. And it's kind of basically it's about the coin um, has one side, it has the, the, the map that we all know of Louisiana. But on the other side, we have the map, which, which the actual map, with all of the land that you can actually stand on and not the, the land that you have to wade into. Um, so and and it shows so how a much, much uh, um, slim down uh, profile because of all the wetlands loss. Right? Yeah, lots of lots of wetlands loss. I mean, what we kind of considered to be land is, you know, if if you have to wear wading boots, is it really land? You know, mm-hmm. and we're losing. And if it wobbles when you walk on it, have you ever walked on marsh? <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah, I've kind of certainly kind of. It's interesting the water can be a few inches, but the mud underneath is like feet, you know, like feet deep. Um, but, yeah, um, so we made made this coin, and, and basically people are encouraged to play play the game. And, um, and they're actually, you know, it's metaphorically eroding. The money is falling off of the edge, like in Louisiana. Um, all of that land loss, I believe it's... Um, on the on the coin it says so. Like we put um, losing one football field an hour since 1985. That's how much land is being lost, and you so know, that's I, people's I, livelihoods as well. People, yeah, you know. I just want to comment on that because I was very much involved with the America's Wetland campaign when it first started, and we were we coined that expression, so to speak, hmm. coined that expression, losing a football field. But we said every half hour. So I'm, I'm fascinated about how we got to saying an hour, how that That's, That was my research. Um, that's what I came up with, um, that research. An hour? I'm, yes. I mean, yeah, th- th- I, I think it has yeah. changed. Yeah. But I can tell you that when we first started, which was like the late 90s with this campaign, I don't remember exactly what year, about 98, 99, uh, we were saying uh, every half hour, mm. football, field, of land every half hour. At any rate, we've lost yes. a lot of land. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so this, um, so this piece kind of um, talk, talks of that, and there's many reasons for that. Obviously, climate, but also kind of the the um, the oil industry seem to have cut extraction into, into the, 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 the across the web. And extraction. Yeah. yeah. And also so land is sinking. And also the the kind of the levying of the the Mississippi, you know, that Absolutely. we're not we're not having no those, new silt. Yeah, no silt is all going out there. Um, so, and we, we're kind of interested in um, the idea, you know, Louisiana was um, purchased from Napoleon, right? And um, for some, you know, eight million. He actually he, he wanted half the money in coins up front, like in gold coins. Which were also I've never very heard interesting. That before. Also, I wouldn't wouldn't blame him as um, you know, but um, but that idea that we kind of are squandering that purchase, you know, it's kind of eroding under our feet, you know. Um, so this is so any of the people put their quarters in and they can win one of our coins, which is kind of it describes all of this stuff, um, what I'm talking about on the coin, and um, and we. Uh, we're going to conv- we're going to donate all of the money funds from what people put in um, to coastal restoration. So hopefully, if people come down, bring their quarters. And um, when and- you say donated to coastal restoration, uh, what agency are you working with? Um, 
Or are you going to be choosing that haven't, later? I haven't figured that one that out okay. yet. We want to see what's kind of most effective. Um, well, you know, one thing I'll say on that, because pardon me, I always have an idea. So yeah. forgive me for my suggestions. As some of my friends love my suggestions. Other ones don't, like my sister doesn't like my suggestions. But anyway, um, there are so many artists now who are working in, in, in this narrative, You're talking about um, the climate change issue and, and the effect here in Louisiana. Um, and and I, I don't think people really have put that together and understood how many of our artists are talking about that. Um, so one, I, one thought that I have is whether you work with an agency or not, is to uh, see if some of that money can go to the artists who are talking about the environment. Because you know how hard it is for artists to, to get any money to do anything. You know as well as anybody running little good children. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not, it's not uh, easy. Anyway, just a thought. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me just ask you this, though. Can you buy the coins? Can, can we buy them? And those coins, no, you have to win them. Um, so they, uh, I never win anything. <laughs> you sure I can't buy them? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I think we're not – I think these games are basically – generally difficult to win and i think they're illegal in some states um except for judging by our opening whatever they do to rig the machine we're not doing because loads of people were winning um so it wasn't very difficult to win unfortunately um unfortunately because we're not going to make any money um for any anything if if everybody wins all the time but anyway um we'll see but i sure want to have one of those um heads you lose because Usually when I flip a coin with my husband, he always wins. <laughs> I don't know how, but he's just awfully, he's much better at it than me. Um, let me come back to you, David, because I, I am extremely interested in, in what you're talking about also. Because as a journalist, I don't, you're probably too young to, to have remembered me from my WDSU days. I was on the air for five years from 73 to 8. You weren't born yet, right? No. No, so I figured. So I was, I, I was a little bit, I had a reputation. I was kind of a tough reporter on the one hand, and, but also you just didn't know necessarily what I was going to do uh, at times. But I, I loved it, and uh, I thought it was really important to um, get information to people. So I wasn't as much of an investigative reporter as a just whatever the desk told me to do. I really tried to plumb into stories. And I have a labor background in my family, so I was the kind of person who, if there was a strike, I'm not going to talk about the fact that you can't get a bus to Canal Street. I'm going to talk about why the drivers are on strike, that kind of thing. But um, I think what you're doing the, the, the is, is really important, but I am extremely frustrated with how little coverage the culture and arts of our city are getting from all the media. There are little, literally only two broadcast programs in a city that I know of, and maybe there's something I don't know of, that talk about culture, and that's Diane Mack's program on mm-hmm. WWNO and mine. Yeah. You know, other than that, yeah, there might be an occasional, you know, they'll do some story about the Blue Dog or some other very kind of accessible commercial art, but there, there's really, we have, we don't have enough coverage. So Doug McCash, who was the critic for um, the advocate Times Picayune, um, who used to be the art critic, now he's a feature reporter and he gets in cultural stories, but by no means does he cover what's going on. Um, And uh, uh, the Gambit used to have um, Eric Bookhart, who, of course, is 
passed, and so we don't have that. Um, you know, I, re- I actually I read uh, Louisiana Weekly. I used to read it systematically because you had a machine right outside Dizzy's. Mm-hmm. I used to go to Dizzy's a lot, as as did everybody after the storm. Um, so I, I, I've seen the paper a lot, and I've seen you do things in it. But you don't have a regular Irish critic, I don't believe. We don't. No. We're suffering from this, guys. And so one of the reasons why, as I complained in uh, my newsletter that I put out, that when I say prospect to people, most of them don't know what I'm talking about, it's because we don't have media coverage of the most important, exciting, and um, potential source of economic activity for the future of our city and state, the arts, in our media. So I, I'm really looking forward to the press club conversation that you're talking about having. I want you to tell people about it. And I'm going to be there, and I'm going to speak up about this, because I think it is so undercutting what's going on in our cultural scene here. And the impact of it is that we lose people. So lately, I just have too many friends who have left New Orleans. And some of them are, you know, of the Witten variety who go up in, you know, and, and, and reach the heights. And others just say, I don't see where the promotion of ability is a possible in the city. Can't feed my kids, whatever it is. We're just losing too many. So they're coming in because they hear, oh, this is a cultural mecca. They, they, they know that if they know artists and they hear it from other artists. And they learn that it's not just all about, you know, trad jazz from the end of the 19th century, that we do have a contemporary art scene. We need much more media um, respect and attention for what we do. I pick up the New York Times every day. I'm, a, I'm an old-fashioned. I'm just, I guess I'm a back-in-the-day girl. And I read the print and the online. The online keeps me up at night, so I had about four hours sleep last night. Not a good thing because there are a couple of stories that I just couldn't put down. Um, and then I look at the pr- print the next day, because in print you see pictures that you don't otherwise see, of course, online. So I, I think this is partly why you were doing this event. So tell me w- what you're trying to accomplish with it. Well, so I agree with you, what you said about the coverage of the arts here. It's a major issue. I think what we're seeing now is, and you know, a few weeks ago we did this panel discussion as a part of what's going on with our exhibit, there's some public programming that goes going along with that, and the first one was about you know, media and the arts here. Wait, are you telling me that the panel that I read about has already happened? The first panel happened. There's three more. The oh, first okay. one was just how to pitch the media, and it was a thing that we did for artists here to better connect them with just like people who work within journalism here. The 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 concern is like what we're seeing is like the the shift in. And these outlets where not a lot of papers are budgeting for the arts and TV doesn't really and probably never really did budget a lot of space for that sort of thing. Um, I used to do it. Let me tell you, I was weekend producer for two years and I never had a show that didn't have something about artists and arts on it. But that was a total anomaly. And these days it just it doesn't really happen. So like even as crime, crime, crime. You've seen how we cover crime arts and football. Crime and football. <laughs> I'm laughing because I I had a thought earlier about Sunday when we did the... So we went to Tony's Exhibit Sunday as a part of a a tour for the satellite program. And we invited, of course, a bunch of journalists because, like, part of it was to get them to come and show up. And um, I just keep thinking that 
the major interruption in that was the fact that there was a Saints Falcons game on oh, Sunday. Don't plan something that we on lost. The day of a Saints game. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I had an event uh, on Sunday too that suffered for the same because thing. of the game, which yeah. is you know, I mean, it's Louisiana. It's a very football state. If it's not the Saints, it's LSU, and if it's not that, then Saints. Yeah, it's not that. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Almost football. nothing else matters. But the so a, a big part of why we're doing this particular exhibit is to reintroduce not just our membership to the arts in a way that's more intentional, but to showcase what we do to the general public and to let them know, like, yeah, the arts are something that is very we're, – we're very interested in that. It's, um, it's important to our economy. It's important to the preservation of our culture and heritage here. It is our, our our economy going forward. That's the other thing. That's you know, as we as we lose the petrochemical industry, um, there's some big gaps in what people are going to do for a living. And I'm convinced that the creative industries is the is the is the gap filler. If we can only get some of the policy making folks of the business and political side of things to understand it. Sorry, I just had to get that in. Go. <laughs> So the um, the rest of the program that goes along with this exhibit will be there's a discussion around it's called felon to fetish. It's a conversation that will include some editors from some publications and some photographers, and it's around the use of imagery in news media, and particularly around like BIPOC people. Um, LGBTQ people and women, and how those images are being used in popular media, mostly mainstream media, when they are used independent of like what is actually representative of who we are as people, and to sell brands, to sell ideas, but none of that really makes it back to our communities in terms of like economic impact. In a lot of ways, a lot of it is doing a disservice to some of these communities. Like, I really do believe that. I've never worked in TV, but I really don't believe, like, perp walks should be a thing. We, we shouldn't be out there filming that because it the intrusion and the, the privacy of, like, of the, pros- of the right. criminal justice process. Right. That's, like, yeah. it, it's it's setting somebody up to look guilty in, in a society that says innocent until proven guilty. But, but we're doing this perp walk. So this is already coloring people's judgments. And if you notice, that most often happens with black people, particularly black men. So that'll be a part of, like, this, this, this next panel discussion, that, like, that conversation. Then we're doing one that's called um, Images and Activism. And that's just around social media and the use of social media to spur these movements and connect communities across the world to really call for justice and accountability from law enforcement, from the criminal justice system. So these, these, these are our part of the things that are going on. And the last one is just around the future of art, which that one will be in January. It's unplanned as, as of now because I'm waiting on some journalists who are actually coming to town for that one, and we are scheduling that around their arrival. Well, be sure and share that with us so that we can put it in our newsletter and, and, uh, and, and catch people's attention on it. Because one of the other thing, problems we have with a program as extensive as this is making sure that people understand exactly when things are happening. And initially, it was a little bit slow getting a word on 
things that were happening. So. Oh, yeah. Well, and prospects suffered improving. from, like, you know, we had COVID. Ida. There's the pandemic. COVID. There were a lot of yeah. challenges. Like, even the satellite program got moved back because we were originally supposed to open on October 23rd. But because of, I think, maybe some venues suffered a bit of damage or impact. I don't really know. But I know that they told us, like, November 7th was the official, well, now the official opening date. For that, so um, for them, it's they, they seem to everything seems to be on track now, moving forward. But yeah, the living in Louisiana for outside of a pandemic, like hurricane season, really determines a lot. But we'll keep you updated on what's coming up, and um, hopefully there'll be another press tour. Um, to to what extent uh, are you all uh, getting involved in? Um the question of the viability of living where we live. And so this is another one of the, the core environmental issues that are coming to the fore now. I think more so than any other time since I've lived here. I've lived here since 1972. And, um, you know, as us go from having no clue, really, about climate change and what was going on, if the truth be known, it, uh, it was a very limited number of people who were paying attention to it, to now when it is very pervasive. And with Ida, uh, and, and I think Gordon Russell in the, in the Times took you, and, uh, I use the expression malaise in my, uh, you know, in my newsletter a couple weeks before he did, but he, he put a he- big headline on malaise uh, post-Ida. A, a sense where as coming out of Katrina, we were all saying, you know, with our fists in the air, we're coming back. It was like, no doubt about it. After Ida, it was like, what? We're going to have to keep doing this? So there was this, you know, um, hit. And, and people were kind of, I used the word for myself of discombobulated because I went to a hotel because I thought hotels would have power in the guest rooms. If the power went out, that wasn't true. Wound up in the heat, came home with a working generator, as it turns out, that went down in the afternoon, left and went to Mississippi, and um, was there for too long, came back, and um, I was like, where am I? Who am I? What's going on? And I was hearing this from everybody, right? So um, so right now, it, it feels like, on the other hand, since we are going through this, and coastal areas on the entire damn planet are going through this, we theoretically should be the source of innovation, invention, creativity around the question of how do you live with this? Are we going to be living on, you know, on piers in the water? Are we going to be moving, migrating out of the area, which is a frightening thought, and I don't think anybody in New Orleans wants to think that way. But to to what extent do you feel like, um, I'm asking you both this, that through the arts we can um, build... Uh, a, a kind of a, a innovation platform, in a sense, to position New Orleans to, to not only to solve the problem for ourselves, but to offer what we learn, our lessons, to the yeah, rest the of the places. world, yeah. which we should. And if we did, we, we, quite frankly, I hate to put it this way when I'm sitting next to somebody who's talking about money and power, but I said, we can make some damn money here if we actually did that right. So... Have you all thought about that? Um, well, so we were very interested in actually being in in the um, 
mint because it um, it attracts a different audience than generally what comes to um, contemporary Bourbon art. Street, um, contemporary yeah, so there's more more of a tourist. Um, and one of the kind of powers of art is that you can kind of make a conversation with your art about something that w- perhaps wouldn't have been wouldn't have happened. So is kind of we. You know, we have a piece about coastal erosion and kind of that. It's like it, maybe it's the fun, you know, we, we attract people in with the kind of shiny coins and um, and kind of, but they take away a thing that is kind of a thought about that. You know, this is actually the reality of what's happening. And we, change can only happen if we pay attention. And kind of, so artists can't raise the money really to fix the, but they can raise attention, and um, and kind of and and you know, and we kind of the the whole show is about money, and we felt kind of um, the pandemic surely did show us what you know, money was a very big part of that equation. How do we if we all have to go and um, stay home? How do we survive? You know, like um, some some of us did just fine, and others have lost their jobs, you know, and this is, in this town, um, you know, musicians didn't work for, can you imagine not being able to work? Like, as an artist, I can sit in my studio on my own and make some art, but, you know, as a musician, you know, it's about working with other people. So, like, you know, money and, um, you know, was kind of, is pertinent in this pandemic and in this moment. And, um, and so we kind of we're also reaching out to the musical community. In in the show we've got a jukebox, and in the jukebox it's called the Money Jukebox, and we've curated songs in there which are all about money. And the phase two of the project is to replace those records. One for with, the money, yeah. two for the shop. <laughs> replace those replace those records with locally sourced um, oh, artists, yeah, kind of cutting their own records and 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 have it. So it will we're fundraising now. Um, to kind of do that because, you know, we want to pay musicians to perform and make the records, and then we have to get them cut. Um, they're, they're not um, – they're cut records rather than pressed. So we kind of wanted them to be records, um, not, not MP3s or something, because that felt very kind of – it's a similar process making a record to making a coin, you know, like when you, um, you squeeze the – the whack, you know, together, and, and you make uh, it's very, it has a very similar process. So we're interested in doing that. Um, we also did we made a record actually um, with the New Orleans um, um, Record Press um, with NOCA students. So we gave them the same brief: um, Can you make a song about money, and or record a cover song about money? And um, eight of them did, and um, we have an album, um, and we made. Digital coins with their heads on um, for the covers. So the covers, um, really exciting. Very, very talented. We work with um, one of their professors, um, uh, Joe Saponis, and he's um, Where kind is of he? led them through. At NOCA, At NOCA yeah. Joe? He's in the, Joe Saponis. He's in the um, media department, um, and he kind of mastered the tracks for, for, for them. Great work, great work. All, all the students are like you know, 16, 17, and kind of, you know, um, we got a record out, so it's, it's awesome. 
Uh, is that record uh, like for sale? Yeah, it's for sale. We um, actually. What's been, the name of it? It's called Minted. Minted. And um, we're going to be having it at local record stores. Um, we were going to have kind of Mint. a release party or something. Um, they came actually. They all came um, this week, last weekend. A bunch, a bunch of them came. Um, so, so they, all the students came, and, um, and we all listened to it there. We have a listening station at the Mint, so you can listen to it. Um, Is it online? It's not online. It kind of we want to. Um, it's their music, um, you know. So we kind of we're we're selling the record. We want to give the all of the. We're going to give all of the proceeds to the um, musicians when it because we kind of figured because I wrote a grant for it and so the, all of it got paid in the grant so mm-hmm. it was like well we don't we should put we should put it to a good use and that's such a great yeah. um, great great service sure there mm-hmm. um, so so yeah so there's kind of you know music about money so we're working with that musical community I mean these two students are they were, all did this in lockdown. They all did this in their homes, in the in their bedrooms. You know. Wow. Um, yeah. So it kind of it is testament to kind of just their amazing creativity. You know, and like and 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 um, you know, made some really really <coughs> great great tracks. So um, you know, I have one of these um, totally unproven and un- probably unprovable theories that our youth on a percentage basis, are more creative <coughs> than most cities. Even my hometown of New York is obviously a very creative city, but it's more about people who come there to um, market their um, art than it is this indigenous thing that we have here that is a product of a combination of the fact that the past is not past here. You know, the past is still alive always. And so um, we have this, this thread, this 300-year-old, or, you know, it's more than that because of the Native American, you know, we start 300 is, is, is an artificial date. That um, I'll thank you for that because I always forget to do it. I appreciate it. But um, we, uh, we, we tend to not really um, focus in on, on uh, exactly what uh, is going on with that. But I, I'm, I'm very... Um, uh, interested in, in what you're talking about. Now, um, let me hear from David again on. Um, so, uh, what do you, what? How do you see coming out of this whole thing? So we're talking about you know basically three months um, <clears throat> in terms of having any impact on the issue that we're talking about. This the failure of our media. Um, universe in New Orleans uh, doing justice to uh, what's going on in the arts. Well, part of the go with this initiative, well, so the board of the Press Club was very excited about this exhibition and the acceptance from Prospect to begin, and so they've now decided that we're going to be doing this annually, which turns into a lot more work for me. (laughs) But I think that um, as an organization, we're behind the idea of promoting the arts, and there are some things that we are working on to The make press sure club we, is? Yes. Okay, it's yeah, very So, important. like, yeah. this is our inaugural photo exhibition, and we'll be doing this annually as a way to showcase not just our own photographers, but also just, like, the arts in general. 
And there are some other things that we're working on to really put an emphasis on the importance of the arts here. So I just want to share with you um, something that uh, I'm in the process of kind of conjuring, and it's something I did once before. I was the PR girl for um, the World's Fair, which, again, were you alive for that? Were you? A night in 84? 84, yeah. Were you alive? I was. Okay. Huh? (laughs) I was. Okay. Um, But it was a very difficult a public relations story because it was a very ambitious. Uh, did, you weren't there, and did you go? You weren't here in the city. No, I wasn't here. I okay. came here. In it was a truly spectacular fair. Uh, it got um, really uh, hurt by the Olympics happening at the same time, so the Olympics drew a lot of the advertising that we should have gotten. Mm-hmm. Plus, we were having a regional crash from the oil industry. Was there was a big crash going on at the same time. Um, and then uh, the, the Republican administration uh, did not favor our Democratic politics. Edwin was governor at the time, and we have a Democratic mayor here, of course. So they kind of stiffed us. They didn't do what they normally do. So it was being hit hard financially, and, uh, and then the local press, for various political reasons, was not our friend. So it was um, torture, and uh, we tried to do everything we could to kind of um, really promote it, and at a certain, I was at a certain point. What I did was call in my PR friends that that all had expertise. I put them around a the table. I said, "Okay, guys, you know, let's talk about what we can do." So I, I want to say that I would be very interested in, in doing that in collaboration with the press club. And the only thing I've ever done with the press club was do their shows. You know the. Oh, the gridiron? The gridiron show. <laughs> I miss those. We don't do oh them anymore. Oh, my God. Oh, that's too bad because <laughs> They gridiron, used to be a lot of fun. Grid, oh, there was so much fun. In the, I, one year I produced it, and it was extremely funny. Oh. But anyway, um, I, I'm, I'm hoping to, that maybe we can talk together about this because um, there are some people like me who've been in PR most of our lives. You know, I go back and forth from each side, from the media to the PR side. And um, we care a lot, and, and uh, you know, there's going to be some ideas that will emerge from pull, pulling some of the, you know, the, the big brains together and, and seeing what we can come up with. So I well, yeah, like So that. we have a <clears throat> we have a concept that is currently in the works. So I probably shouldn't discuss it on the kids' world. But well, it's I shouldn't like, have either. But <laughs> I've talked to um, – so like one of our major sponsors for this is Pin America. Because they are is entire, Penn America, Penn yeah. America. The entire organization is yeah. centered around supporting writers and journalism and freedom of the press. So when I talked to them about this idea, they were very interested in doing it. And then I talked to them further about how the press club could be a better support for the arts here. And they're actually we should talk about this at some point, mm-hmm. not on the radio, though. right? No, no, uh, <laughs> definitely. Um, and I think what's been, so like even at our paper, we don't do a lot of arts coverage anymore. We used to do a lot of, a lot more arts and entertainment. That's fallen by the wayside. What you'll hear from some of these publishers is like, where's the advertising to support this? And I recognize that that's an important aspect of publishing and producing and all of that. But then you wind up in a chicken and egg situation. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, 
we would publish more on this if there was more advertising support. It was like, but advertisers would advertise more if there was a section in which they would publish, in which they could do these mm-hmm. sort of things. So you wind up in these, uh, I guess, more theoretical, philosophical discussions where, you know, like the chicken and egg thing, which honestly I always thought was a, an absurd but it's Notion. a fact of life. Like, I mean, that's that's what you know, obviously is, that's, the chickens came first. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> but it may, it's, it's what makes um, it's what it, it's what makes print media especially so difficult right mm-hmm. now is is um, the long term trend of uh, less people reading print and therefore less advertising. So it's it's a tough time, and I, I get it. But I think actually that um, arts coverage done not in a pedantic high-minded way, but in a more accessible way, exactly. would spur readership. I think so, too. And so, what, what, what we've seen is, like, when we do publish on certain things, like, yeah, and I was a prospect this year, I think, so I'll be writing up something on that, because what I saw in going to not just the satellites, but the, the main exhibit. So we did a press tour yesterday with, I think it's called um, Cultural Council, the... PR that's doing the National Court Prospect and Von Marac. So we we went to, maybe that was Wednesday. That might have been Wednesday. But we did this press tour, and what I've seen is, particularly for a city like this, there's going to be a great interest in what's happening. A lot of the works are putting issues that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. As just people in Louisiana on Showcase, a lot of black artists are being included, a lot of... um, Basically, a lot of non-white artists are included in this year's Prospect. Yeah, and marginalized communities, which is something that is way different than what I'd seen when Prospect started. Always enjoyed it. Like, Prospect and I, we used to share an office together in 2010 or 2009, whenever they started. And it was during a time where I was myself doing PR. I was doing a lot of, um, it was, it was a localism campaign, which, like, centered around small businesses and stuff like that. And I was doing all of the the media and community outreach and stuff. And Prospect was, we, we shared an office. So looking at it from what it was to what it is now and, like, really putting these issues that people are dealing with now on a day-to-day, not even just here, but, like, mostly here, but just, like, across the country, I think will be very interesting to a lot of readers, viewers, listeners. And I think it's now upon... It falls on the media now to like, how are you going to share these stories and share these things with your audiences? Because they're interesting. And we want to make sure that we are doing what we can as an organization. Like the Press Club is not a newsmaking organization. We don't do, we, we don't put out stories. But we are here to support the journalism community. So being able to provide the opportunity for them to have just like exposure to these things to like potentially do story coverage is something that we're working on. Like you're going to be invited. Tony, you'll also be invited when we do our actual opening reception for this exhibition. We haven't done it yet because I didn't want to conflict with anything that prospect had going on. Like last Sunday was the satellites opening reception. And then the week before was their opening weekend. But we're going to send out like an announcement of who our photographers are. Some of them are just conceptual photographers who submitted to the contest, and some are photojournalists. Like, um, you know Sophia Germer. I saw on her Instagram just the other day a photo of Bob and 
the exhibition that you just described, mm-hmm. and she put it on her Instagram. She has two photos in the exhibition. She, one she spent that's a lot of time with, in the garden. I can yeah. Love <laughs> <it>. <laughs> one of her photographs deals with, you know, this issue of, Marsh loss. It's it's a photograph of I think I think she called it Nutrias is the name of it. And Nutria, you know, like Nutrias are not native to Louisiana. They're an import from and they eat South up our America, and they're eating our yeah. marshlands. Yeah. Her photo is of these guys just like dumping out these. This is well sound graphic, but it's that actually is really kind of a dope photo. But it's like dumping out all of these like dozens of dead nutria out onto you know there's a there's an extermination process that happens back in the day like um i think it was europeans who used to use them as like a part of cuisine but then also use their pelts to make yeah, clothing and stuff they like pop, they, they used to mm-hmm. you know it, it fetched a high dollar and it's a thing that apparently is still going on and one of her photos captures that and so, like, being able to showcase those types of things, I think, is where we can live in this space of, like, the arts. Like, how are we lifting up the work that these journalists are doing that very much deal with these issues that we deal with every day, but also buttresses what is one of the major economies, not even just in New Orleans, but in the States. Now listen, worldwide, the creative industries it are... Um the one of the top growth economic sectors and and people we you know we tend we live in such a bubble here mm-hmm. that we're not paying attention to what's happening around there but um starting with really in britain is where it started and in the old industrialized cities that were dying um people said what are we going to do with all these plants and they started this whole movement towards the creative industries and that is what we are now um seeing that finally coming through the states in America and in other parts of the world. So it's definitely a growth industry to the point where if we don't jump on it, we're going to get left into dust again. So, you know, our musicians left here at the beginning of the 20th century and they Mm -hmm. went to New York and Chicago and uh, even Nashville and Memphis and so on. But uh, it's going to happen again if we don't um, jump off on it. But I, I think that, the press club, I, I really think, should be and could be uh, a little bit more proactive about this and making things happen in, in the city. And I know that I'm very committed to this because I, I'm, I'm involved with just promoting the idea of the creative industries in general. So we have more to talk about offline. Yeah. But um, we're kind of we're getting close to the end of our time, guys. I, you know, time goes fast when you're talking about important stuff. So, Tony, um, let's have some closing thoughts from you and give me the next date of an event that's happening for you that you want folks to know about. It. And tell people where you are because, they're, you know, the, the in crowd knows where you are, but uh, not everybody knows about what's happening on, on St. Claude Avenue. Um, well, so we will, I think we'll have some kind of at the end of Prospect, the closing event. I think Prospect are actually going to be doing quite a because they did a stagger going out but at the end they're going to do a big big event what we're trying to do over the the coming months is to start to record those artists and cut those records and so once we've got enough of those created um, then we're going to have another um, another kind of event Um, so yeah we're in yeah 
Um, but the mint's open every day, um, except for Mondays. Uh, come, come by, check out, check out the coins. They've got, I mean, the the coin rooms are great. Um, it's it really interesting. Right, yeah, so. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. And um, and David. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we are on display at the old number 77 hotel in Chandler. Tell them where it is. It's uh, 535 Chapatuba Street in the CBD. It's basically Chapatulas and Poydras, right across from the Lowe's and the Piazza d'Italia. The exhibit is open whenever. It's, it's a hotel. That's, that's <laughs> terrific. I love that. Yeah. So, Anytime, guys. Um, anytime. You have no excuse not to get there. As soon as you walk in, it's to the right in their gallery space. I, I should give them a shout out to the old number 77 has an arts program that runs regularly. Yeah. So when I was coming up with this, I reached out to some friends at where you are and said, hey, I know y'all curate the space for them. Are y'all doing anything during Prospect? And they said no. They didn't have anything planned and they they broke up this introduction to the guy who John Price who runs the 77 and yeah he was very interested so they they have a very intentional showcasing of local artists yeah all the time constantly there's always an artist in there. I'm getting my signal here and uh, uh, it, it, it's a hard hard close yeah so um, y'all I hope that what we've done t- today is is convince you that prospect this is Prospect 5. It's something you need to check into. It is online. It's got a website. And um, by the time you get finished looking at that website, you will understand a lot about Prospect and a lot about the art scene in New Orleans. And, and that's what we keep trying to talk about on this show and in other ways. G. Nathan, Crosstown Conversation.